0: uh, As we prepare for today's sermon, I want to remind us about some things that we know about God's grace. Remember, God's grace is a way of talking about God's love in action in our lives. And we experience that grace in lots of ways. It's the grace of God, God's love in action in our lives, that actually has brought us to even believe in God, brings us to believe in Jesus. The grace of God brings us to that. And that kind of grace we call prevenient grace, grace that comes before we're aware, where God is wooing us, kind of nudging us, It's conscience. It's bringing us to that place where we fall to our knees and, and look to God for help with our lives. And once we fall to our knees and look to God for help with our lives, we experience another kind of grace we call that justifying grace. That's us receiving God's forgiveness, it's this new life that opens up before us in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's the moment where we become Christians. But now, the moment we become Christians is not the moment when God's grace stops working in our life, it's actually just begun to work in our lives. The Christian life is all about the grace of God continuing to work within us as it brings changes to our life, we call this kind of grace sanctifying grace. And the way I like to think about it, the picture I have, is that when we become a Christian, we set out on a journey of following Jesus. And the first thing we do when we set out on that journey is to pack our bags full of the stuff of our lives, right? We pack our bags full of the stuff of our lives, the stuff that has been our lives, because that's all we know. That's all we've got, is the stuff of our lives, the habits that we have, the ways that we think, our ideologies, our beliefs, all this stuff, we just pack in our bags and we set out to follow Jesus. The sanctifying grace of God is at work in our lives, starting to unpack those bags. Sometimes we experience that sanctifying grace as convicting grace, as it points out some things that that we're carrying with us that we need to get rid of. Maybe it's beliefs that are not consistent with our Christian faith. Maybe it's ways that we speak or ways that we act that bring hurt to other people's lives. It starts pointing out ways that we need to make changes in our lives, the convicting grace of God. Sometimes the sanctifying grace kind of meets us in our own brokenness and it brings about some healing. But always the sanctifying grace is unpacking the stuff that we carry with us that is not a part of the Christian life and starts replacing it with the stuff that is a part of the Christian life. Always growing us up in our faith along the journey, growing us up from being new in the faith to being mature in the faith. So now... That's a little bit about the the grace of God and particularly the sanctifying grace of God. So kind of hold that off to the side. We'll come back to that a little later. Right now, let's turn our attention to Psalm 84. Today, I'm going to conclude this series of sermons entitled Mindfulness, Reflections on the Psalms, Creation, and the Human Experience by taking a look at what is a favorite psalm among many, many of us. It's certainly a favorite psalm of mine because it's packed full of some of the most beautiful verses in all of the book of Psalms. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord God. A day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorpost at the house of God than live in comfort in the tents of the wicked. It ends with this wonderful statement. O Lord of hosts, I put my trust in you, in you, (laughs) in you, I am happy, okay, happy. Psalm 184, that's static electricity, I'm getting wound up here now, so, okay. Psalm 184 is a pilgrimage psalm. The psalmist is on a pilgrimage headed toward Jerusalem. The holy city, toward the temple, the very dwelling place of God. We use pilgrimage language all the time to talk about our faith. We say that our faith is a journey, a journey of faith. As Christians, our, we talk about our discipleship as following Jesus. And of course, in following Jesus, he's leading us toward a destination. We are on a pilgrimage our Christian faith is a pilgrimage. And that's different from being a tourist on a journey. I mean, we know the difference. My wife spent her high school years in Page, Arizona, at the shores of Lake Powell, and it was a tourist destination. People would come to see the dam, they'd come to see the lake, and sometimes Jerry would get together with her high school friends and they would dress up like tourists. And they'd go down to the dam and they'd pose like tourists for pictures and they'd point an ooh and ah like tourists and the fun of it of course was acting like a tourist because tourists act a little differently than folks who live in the place. We see that often. When we make our way up to, to our place at Zion, we get to that, the entrance to the national park And the park ranger asks if we want a map. Tourists take the map, right? And they stop and they ask some questions in order to make certain they're going to end up where they want to go. And then along the way, they stop and they take lots of pictures. But when we pull up, the ranger asks if we'd like a map. And I simply say, no, thank you. We're just going home. It's different, right? It's it's different. The place has a kind of a different claim on us. For us, it's not just a pretty place. It is that, but it's a sacred place that is most profoundly a place we call home. We use the language of pilgrimage. We define pilgrimage as a journey to a sacred place. Now, a tourist can journey to a sacred place can go journey to a sacred place, take lots of pictures, enjoy the time, return back home, grateful for having had the time away, even more grateful for having made it back home. But for a pilgrim, it's very, very different. Arriving in this sacred place is arriving in the place where we feel most profoundly at home. And being there will lead us to say, a day in this place is better than a 1,000 elsewhere. In Psalm 84, the psalmist is on a pilgrimage to the temple of God. Of course, the destination is not the building. I'm sure it was a lovely building. But it was understood to be the dwelling place of God. So the destination was to draw near to God. And as the psalmist is drawing near to God, the psalmist is saying these wonderful words a day a day in this place is better than a thousand elsewhere i'd rather be close to the house of god than dwell in comfort in the tent of the wicked here in this place i am happy of course people could travel to the temple and it not be a pilgrimage right and could have a very different experience. Take pictures of the buildings, enjoy some time, and head for home unchanged. It's like, it's like some of you know that this sanctuary is one of my happy places, right? I mean, my happy places include my family, being here in this place, and then being up at Zion. Those are my happy places. Here in this sanctuary is one of my happy places. For me, this is a sacred place. For me, it's a place where the veil separating heaven from earth is especially thin. Here in this place, I spend time with people I love and who love me. Here in this place, there have been those moments where I've experienced something of the very presence of God. And experiencing that presence of God, even if it's just for a moment, makes me feel like being in this place for a day is better than being somewhere else for for a thousand But I know that not everybody who comes into this place has that same experience. There are folks who come into this building and they might just simply see it as a pretty building. Or they might see it as kind of a strange place. And where I would say that a day here is better than a thousand elsewhere, there's some people who might say an hour here was a little too long. (laughs) Right? But for me, This is about pilgrimage. This is about home, about home. So let's pause and turn our attention to the reading of Psalm 84.
1: Today's scripture is from Psalm 84. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, indeed it faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Happy are those who live in your house, ever singing your praise. Happy are those whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. The God of gods will be seen in Zion. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Behold our shield, O God. Look on the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than live in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. He bestows favor and honor. No good thing does the Lord withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, happy is everyone who trusts in you. This has been the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
0: Amen. Thank you, Scott. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable unto thee, O Lord our God, our rock, and our Redeemer. Amen. Psalm 84 reminds me a lot of Jesus' Beatitudes. Remember the Beatitudes? They're found in the Sermon on the Mount, which is found in the Gospel of Matthew. The Beatitudes are in chapter five. And in the Beatitudes, there are eight times where Jesus talks about that which makes us happy or which blesses. In Psalm 84, the psalmist speaks four times about those things that make us happy or bring blessing. Both Psalm 84 and the Beatitudes are about a pilgrimage, a journey of faith. And in Psalm 84, there are hints of the kind of markers that are along this journey that keep us from getting lost. But in the Beatitudes, it's very explicit about those markers, those things that become part of our lives, that keep us on track, that keep us from getting lost. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, the gate is narrow, the path is difficult that leads to life. So right off the bat, we begin to imagine of this narrow gate beyond which there is a difficult path to travel. Jesus begins the Beatitudes by saying, blessed are the poor in spirit. Happy are those, oh, the sacred joy of those who recognize they need God in their life, who turn to God for help. They've passed through the narrow gate, so now theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It's that moment of justification that he's talking about there on the journey. Once we've passed through that gate and we've begun the Christian life, this life of following Jesus, Jesus gives us seven more markers along the path. Along this path, there comes a point in time where it's as if dusk is kind of settling, and we begin to see the shadowy figures of the sins of our lives in front of us, the things that we have said or the things that we have done that brought some kind of hurt or pain to somebody else's life. And as we begin to see those things, that convicting grace of God, it brings us to our knees to confess. Confession is a part of the Christian life. We confess those sins. Blessed are those who mourn, Jesus says. And the mourning he's talking about is not that mourning that comes from loss, but rather the recognition of the pain that we have brought in our lives. And... Blessed are those who mourn, they shall be comforted. In that confession, it's like the rays of the morning sun begin to pierce through. We continue on our journey. And of course, on this journey, we're carrying the bags of the stuff of our lives, including our own idolatries, those things that have been too important to us in our lives. And that stuff starts to get unpacked. As increasingly, we desire to be about the will of God. Whatever that might be, we want to be about the will of God. And so Jesus says, blessed are the meek. Those who submit themselves to God's will, they will experience the fullness of the promise of God. The journey continues. The further down this journey we go, the more we hunger for the things of God, the more we hunger for God's word, the more we hunger to be in worship with God's people, the more we long to hear from God, we turn to God in prayer. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They shall be satisfied. Along this journey, we who have received mercy can't help ourselves but to extend that mercy that we have received to others. Blessed are the merciful, All of this is coming about because of the changes that God is working in our hearts. This journey of sanctification, these changes are working in our hearts. Blessed are the pure in heart, Jesus says. Our lives are being changed by the grace of God. Of course, now along this journey, every step we take brings us a little closer to our God. And along this journey, Every step we take, we begin to recognize a little bit more of the very presence of God in our midst. It's like, it's like the difference between being a child and adult. I mean, little children, they're not real aware of a lot of the things that are going on around them, right? But as an adult, we become very aware of those things. And as a parent, we're especially aware of those things that are going on around us. So too, as we are growing in our faith, we become more and more aware of how God is at work all around us, how God's at work within us. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Jesus has two more markers along the path. Blessed are the peacemakers. Increasingly along this journey of faith, it becomes clear to us that this journey is all about reconciliation. Not just our reconciliation with God, but that we be about the reconciling work of God in this world, doing what we can to bring about peace. And we do so recognizing that not everybody that we're going to encounter is going to be happy with who we are or what we do. We know that. There's going to be people who see our Merciful acts are attempts for reconciliation to not be in their best interest. And so suffering will come. Eight markers along the path. Now a tourist could see these eight markers, right? A tourist could see these eight markers. People walking along the path and, and you know, enter through this, the narrow gate, try out confession, Try to submit some part of one's life. Try an act of mercy, see if he can help somebody. Maybe try to forgive somebody. But that's not the life of a pilgrim, a pilgrim. These things become our life. These things describe our life. Christians are people who year, yearn for God. We are people who confess our sins. We are people who are seeking to submit ourselves to God. We hunger and thirst for God's word. We can't help ourselves but to act mercifully in this world. Our lives are being changed. Our hearts are being changed. We become peacemakers. We even are willing to suffer on behalf of our faith because it's who we are. This journey of faith, this pilgrimage, is all about sanctification. It's all about changing us. And increasingly, this is who we become. Now, Psalm 84 describes a little bit of this process as well. It says, when we pass through the valley of Baca, and we don't know where Baca is, and it doesn't matter, there are pools of water. Being a Christian is like early morning rain on a dry and arid place. That's who we are for this world, like early morning rain in a dry and arid place that brings forth pools of water. We are a life-giving presence. In the midst of a world that is life-taking, that is always life-taking, we are a life-giving presence. The psalmist goes on, My ears shrank, I think. There we go. Okay. The psalmist goes on. That on this journey we go from strength to strength. It's not like being on this journey over time starts getting us more tired. In fact, over time we get stronger and stronger. There are things that, in starting out in this journey, that take every ounce of our energy that later down the journey become easy for us. It might be that starting out on the journey, it takes everything we have to be able to forgive somebody of some harm they have caused us. But further down the journey, forgiveness just becomes second nature. It may be that starting out on this journey, it takes every ounce of energy just to think about the possibility of bringing reconciliation to some relationship, only to find out down the the road a little bit that reconciliation is how we live our lives. We go from strength to strength as we approach our destination, the holy city, the very presence of God. There is a destination for us that is out in front of us. It's that place where Jesus is leading us, drawing ever nearer to God, God beckoning us forward by grace pulling us forward. This destination is one that we get glimpses of along our journey. It's like I come into the sanctuary. And maybe today is one of those moments where I experience just a little something of the presence of God. And that experience, that little experience of the presence of God, it's like a foretaste of what is yet to come like a foretaste of what is yet to come on that day when I have been perfected in love, when I can stand before the Lord, when I can see clearly what now I only see dimly. And on that day when I stand before the Lord with all of the grace that has gone into me to get me to that place, when I stand before the Lord, what will I say? A day in this place, is better than a 1,000 elsewhere. I'd rather be close to this place than live in comfort somewhere else. Because here, in the presence of God, I am happy. I am at peace. Psalm 84. Thanks be to God. Amen? Amen. Amen? Amen.